0: It's Tuesday, March first. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. It's Super Tuesday, gents. Happy Super Tuesday. Not you know what? Me.
1: Every Tuesday here on Market Foolery, it's a Super Tuesday. You know, I I, no. I, I won't disagree there. <laughs> we we should have our own little hash flag. You, you think know, so? a something like uh, you know, a little Market Foolery flag. That'd be cool.
0: Hit up your buddies. I, your, your your pals
1: with the people at Twitter. Hit them know. up on that. Drop Adam a line, see what he says. Uh, we're
0: we're going to dip into the full <laughs> mailbag. Uh, we are, however, going to start with some earnings news. And Once again, this is one of those situations where the word earnings is in air quotes, because it's not actually earnings. But fourth quarter sales for Crocs came in higher than expected, but the loss that they posted for the quarter, Jason, was more than double. Yeah. What Wall Street was expecting, that, yeah, this is not missed by a penny. This is missed nope. by many, many, many pennies,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, this is you know, this Money is a turnaround pennies. story. I think investors in Crocs, uh, you you need to have the appropriate expectations set when you're when you're considering an an idea like this. And so, I mean, I, I wouldn't put Crocs up there with, you know, sort of the the big growth long-term growth stories. Uh, this this is a turnaround. This is a value style investment, and I think you know Ron Ron Gross has pointed this one out. I think on Motley Fool Money a, a number of times the stock went on his radar. and he, you know, there's a lot of good sort of thinking behind what the stock could be worth, and they're executing some some uh, some turnaround plans here, and it, and it seems like it's working. I mean, growth in the Americas and Asia, as well as the direct to consumer uh, channels, are showing signs of uh, of Positivity, does that even work? I mean, like, <laughs> sure. Let's just. There's a ray of light there somewhere, right? I mean, this is this is what you need for something like this. It's not all going to just happen. Once there are a lot of costs involved when you when you're trying to execute a turnaround plan like this, you've got new leadership in place. I think there's a new CFO who just kind of stepped in there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is this is shoes, right? It's not like it's it's not some tech stock. It's not some social media darling. I mean, it's just kind of shoes that may or may not be uh you know maintaining sort of their their hold in the market. I mean, I don't do you own a pair of Crocs? I don't know. You don't. Do you own a pair of Crocs?
2: Um I bought a pair of fake Crocs after hiking fake one day. Fake Crocs. And they seem to work just fine. Excuse they make them. great shoes just to
1: relax in, take hiking, skiing, whatever. Yeah, I actually I mean, socks. I actually own a pair of Crocs and I haven't worn them in probably like 2 years. I, mean, I think they're stuck in the back of my closet. So they were never I don't know. I mean, it just and I think that's probably one of the one of the things you need to consider here. This this is Still a fashion retail sort of idea, right? And so, how much how much staying power do they have? I, I don't really know. I mean, but they are they are closing stores, cutting costs, and trying to execute a turnaround there. And so, there's a value there's a value play there, and and I think that that's you just have to have your expectations set appropriately when you're investing in something like this. Well, and the stock is down about seventeen
0: percent this morning, and clearly it's more of a value play than it was yesterday. But I'm wondering <laughs> if Anyone interested in this company needs to keep their powder dry for just a little while longer. Because the company, it's, I mean, management itself came out and, and talked about near term challenges, as they put it. And if it is a turnaround, and if part of this is, as it always is with any type of apparel retailer, and under the big umbrella of apparel, we can put footwear, part of the challenge is inventory control. I, I, I hope, not just for Crocs' sakes, but for all apparel retailers, that the, the problems that we saw with the West Coast ports and, and the, the terrible ripple effect that had last year, really over the last 18 months, hopefully that, uh, that doesn't continue to the same degree for the next 18 months. But, I don't know, it seems like if this is one you think has a little bit further to drop, then I think you do want to keep your powder dry.
1: Yeah, you probably do. I mean, I think you certainly are are targeting the right sorts of, of things to pay attention to there, especially with a, with a retailer like this that's, that's so specifically focused on one target market, in looking at inventory levels and making sure their inventory levels aren't getting out of control. Uh, because when you're not really growing your sales at a very healthy clip, you know the inventory levels. You need to see if if you see those inventory levels expanding. Then I mean, you could see some real problems in pricing and margins take a hit there. Um, and and you know when you write off a bunch of inventory, that's golly. I mean, that's what we talk about a lot of those retailers that are really um, that are really facing with a lot of challenges. That inventory is valued on the balance sheet at a certain number, but that's not to say that that's really what it's worth. You know, especially if it if it's an if it's a retailer that's sort of going out of style, so to speak, uh, that that inventory becomes worth much much less. I mean, it's it's hard to even give it away sometimes. So that's certainly one thing to pay attention to. And you know, I mean, I think you you can argue that the the turnaround is still in question. I think, and and uh, so. uh, I wouldn't recommend someone go out there and and buy this stock immediately today. I I don't know that it's one where I can identify uh, the catalyst that necessarily turns things around. I think that they're sort of the management team is is dealing with the hand that they have and and probably doing about as good of a job as anyone could. but a lot remains to be seen.
2: I always thought they should get bought out, by like a uniform company. I mean, chefs, nurses, all the, a lot of those are. That's a big industry for Cintas or something. I yeah, mean, right. you, know, you could see actually the where package that might make deal sense. to like hotels or restaurant chains or something yeah. to outfit their employees.
0: At Market is our Twitter handle. You can always hit us up with questions from David N, who asks, "If Ultra Petroleum files for bankruptcy,
2: then what will happen to my shares of this company?" Taylor. Well. I guess first they'll be they'll be delisted. Um, they'll still trade over the counter, but um, probably a lot less liquidity, liquidity than you would expect in the markets. But um, in terms of your shares remaining to have value, you're you're pretty far down on the list in terms of if you're going to get paid out or not. Um, secured creditors come first. Unsecured creditors. Come after that. Preferred shares come before regular shares. I don't know if Ultra Petroleum has any preferred shares outstanding, but they would come before shareholders. You're basically the bottom of the barrel here. Um, It seems like they had some cash on the balance sheet that could maybe cover the debt, but they're looking at maybe defaulting on an agreement due March 15th. So, Chapter 11 could certainly be in the future.
0: My first thought when I saw this question was tax write-off. That Yes, yeah, you you, you harvest some taxes. Yeah, somewhere. there there may be an opportunity, uh, but as you said, individual shareholders like us, we are way down on the list of <laughs> of people who are going to get made whole when a business goes bankrupt.
2: Well, it has like three point seven, 3.8 billion dollars in outstanding debt, so that has to be paid <laughs> off first.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so unfortunately for David, he's he's not. He's probably not going to see any of that money, so it's unfortunate. But it could be one of those situations where, when you have a loss uh, in in your taxes, you can uh, sell if you have an opportunity to sell for whatever reason to sell one of your winning stocks. Then this can count as a capital loss. Against your capital gains, and it minimizes your tax bill to some degree. But that was, I don't know, that was the first place my head went.
2: Yeah, that, that's a little bit of a solace there. But I mean, that's about the only thing you can look forward to, I think, right now with Ulrich Petroleum
0: as a shareholder. Bad times for Valiant Pharmaceuticals, the Canadian drug maker, is being investigated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, questions about their accounting practices have been going on for a little while Jason and just to just to add one more layer of trouble for the company uh, yesterday apparently valiant scheduled a conference call with some analysts and then quickly canceled it and it was essentially hey we're gonna set you up with the CEO my hunch is that there was not a single lawyer in the room when they <laughs> made that decision and then, Someone came forth and said, "You know what? Maybe the CEO shouldn't be talking to Wall Street analysts
1: just yet." Just yet, yeah. There, there are plenty of, um, plenty of questions. I think. Bottom line, I'd say with with Valiant, there are there are smarter people out there with a lot more money and pull than we, the individual investors, have. And I think there are enough red flags with a business like this at this point in time to say that. I, I mean. Personally, I think there are easier ways to invest and make money, and I think that getting involved with this one—I mean, the volatility alone with Valiant just over the past few months has been just pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know that that necessarily is going to stop. It's interesting. I was reading an article last night. I found on Twitter. It's an article Josh Brown wrote for Fortune back in October of 2015, where he was he was expounding on on these troubles that Valiant was having and, and it was interesting this Munger, this Charlie Munger interview where Munger was asked about Valiant and and he said, I quote Is that a Berkshire holding? Uh no, no no but but someone had asked Charlie Munger about um, about his take on the company because of their strategy. They had this acquisition strategy and asking about leadership and Charlie Munger said, I quote, Valiant is like ITT and Harold Janine come back to life, only the guy is worse this time. End quote. So, for those of you questioning what in the world is ITT Google ITT Corporation, and just check out its history. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, a lot of shareholder value was destroyed yeah, in the phenomenal. process. Not in the good way, right? Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, 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 in the bad way. I mean, it, Munger was was certainly not not speaking well to to the the, the company and, and its leadership. But I look, I look at this company's strategy and their balance sheet and these things that are going on, and I see enough red flags to, to keep me away. I mean, debt is almost full, full uh, five full times the shareholders' equity now, with a fairly minimal amount of cash and you know about one and a half billion dollars compared to thirty plus billion in debt. The stock is really under pressure. Now they they go by this acquisition strategy where they they make acquisitions to grow, but when your stock starts coming under pressure. It becomes more and more difficult to issue those shares to make acquisitions. And all the while, we've seen share account grow. Since 2010, it's up about 13%. So the strategy of acquisition works until it doesn't. And then it becomes very difficult to issue those shares because no one wants your shares as currency. Then how do you grow? Uh, then you become very stuck. And I think it's reasonable to assume in the future that the cost of doing business is going to go up because rates really don't have anywhere to go but up. Uh, then you know you tack on these acqu- or these uh, investigations, which I think um just enough red flags for me to say, yeah you know, thanks, no thanks. I would just rather go invest somewhere else where it's a little bit more understandable and a little bit more transparent
0: and Taylor, the SEC is not divulging what they are investigating. Mm-hmm. Valiant has only confirmed that the investigation is taking place, but there's enough information over the past six months to sort of reasonably connect the dots that this has something to do with accounting. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where I, I, I would argue that it would be a surprise when all is said and done if this isn't about Valiant's accounting. Uh, Nick, we had Nicole Sinclair from Yahoo Finance on the radio show a few months back. Um, she had written something recently about how that was. That was one of the uh, first things she learned um, in the business of business journalism: is that when there are accounting irregularities, just walk away. And I'm just I'm wondering if if you've encountered this in your investing life as well.
2: Um, yeah, in the energy sector, Lin Energy jumps to mind. Um, 2013, SEC announced it was investigating an acquisition and also its hedging strategies. That investigation sent the stock price down, or the announcement of it sent the stock price down thirty percent, and that was the company getting out and disclosing that the SEC was investigating it, um, not the other way around. Uh, so they were trying to get out ahead, but obviously investors sold off, and they really never recovered. Shares were around thirty-six bucks then; they're around a dollar now. Um, so <sighs> they they missed out on the ability to hedge. Their oil production um, prior to the sell off in oil. So at that point, it was no point in even hedging because they would have been hedging into lower prices than they were currently experiencing. Um, they call that backwardization if the futures price is, is lower than the current price. So they were just left holding all of their oil, unhedged, well, not all of it, but a majority of it unhedged as the price of oil collapsed. And so it was just a spiral effect. And when the SEC gets in there, who knows what they're going to uncover outside of what they're looking for, right? So um, it, it really punished Lynn. The acquisition got pushed back, ended up costing them hundreds of millions of dollars in additional fees, and, and the price of their stock cratered. So they had to fork over more cash and debt to make the deal happen. So uh, you can look at this as, as maybe completely destroying Lynn Energy from uh, almost three years ago.
1: Sure. And I think. Whenever you have a business that grows like Valiant does via acquisition, and that's their strategy, and that
2: was Lynn Energy as well, they had to a- yeah. continue to acquire new properties through debt and equity issuances.
1: It's not to say that what Charlie Munger said is right. I mean, he he lofted up an opinion there. Uh, he's Pretty experienced guy. I mean, thing or two. So I'd at least take it, you know, he's pretty under, opinionated. Under that's
0: why I love Charlie Munger. He's 92 <laughs> years old. Um, and for anyone who has, you know, a parent or a grandparent who is in the neighborhood of 90 years old, uh, that's one of the they're things. They're done sugarcoating. That's I don't he's have just a lot trying, of time left. I'm just going to talk like I talk. just trying
1: to give it to you straight. And, and I, I think generally he does a very good job of that. But. When you have a business that that grows the way they do and they carry that much debt, and then you see these investigations and these headlines, there's more of an opportunity for the SEC to uncover a problem. It's not to say they will, but there certainly is more of an opportunity for for something to come up. And then on top of that, it, it this is a polarizing name. You see, uh, is it is it Ackman? Yeah, Ackman yeah. I think holds Ackman, a very yeah. big position in this uh, stock and has, has gotten hammered on it, and so you see that in the headlines as well. So this is a headline generator both ways. And again, I I just feel like there are there are smarter people out there who know more about this situation and they have a lot more invested, a lot more money, and a lot more pull than any of us mm-hmm. uh, may. So, I I just think there are easier ways to make money. There are enough red flags here where I would just turn away and uh, just turn around and walk away.
2: And this company was at one point the most highly valued company in Canada, which is crazy to think that they surpassed all of the banks, all of the energy companies up there. And and now it's clearly far from the throne, um, but it's something we looked at. Quite significantly in 2014 and 15 um, during the ramp up phase uh, where the stock was just going crazy. Um,
1: were you all looking at this for Stock Advisor Canada? Yeah, we were
2: investigating it. And Ian Butler, our chief investment advisor up in Canada, he's since written a few pieces about why we'll probably never look at it again. Um, and it was, you know, stemming from all of these issues with management, with accounting. Like, those are two of the most crucial issues you can think of when you invest in a company and sure. they're, they're doing it all wrong.
0: Sure. I think the last time he was here in the studio, Jim Gillies, uh, I I know he made this joke off the air, I think he made it during the podcast (laughs) as well, that uh, the track record for companies that become the biggest Canadian company by market cap yeah. is a really bad one. It's basically <laughs> like if you like, it's the worst crown you can get in business in Canada. It's like, congratulations, you're the biggest company in Canada by market cap. And it's like it's all downhill. From here. <laughs> it's like being the drummer in Spinal Tap. It's just terrible. <laughs> um, it is March. It's March already. Oh, yeah, March, it is. Wow. Which means that South by Southwest is right around the corner. And I am happy to say that later this month, we're going to be heading to Austin, Texas to do a week's worth of market foolery from South site, Southwest. wow! On-site. Dan Boyd, our man behind the glass, will be there. We've got more details to come, including a potential Fool meetup. We are working on that. Hopefully, Mm -hmm. we can make that happen. So, you're saying
2: there's beer and barbecue to eat and drink down there in Austin, Texas? And more
0: importantly, people get to meet Dan Boyd in the flesh. Ah, So, we're working on that. But if you're going to South by Southwest, or you just happen to be in the Austin, Texas area, stay tuned for more details on that. Taylor Muckerman, Jason Moser, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. Show is Mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.